these are the challenges I like. Uh, mm -hmm. I always loved um, combining instruments that might not fit together, especially if it's electronic and acoustic instruments, mm -hmm. and and making that into something something new and and something maybe with with some sounds that you haven't heard yet. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Chris Wiersig. My next guest enjoyed classical training on piano and saxophone, studied audio engineering at SAE Technology College, and has more than 20 years' experience in music production. His music can be heard in games like the acclaimed top 10 iPad game Alien Tribe 2, the multiple award-winning short movies Intervention, 20 Matches, Cat Dex in Kasi, and Trick of the Old Cat, the comedy feature film 39 and a Half, and in numerous TV shows on ABC, E!, MTV, Fox Sports, Audience Network, DirecTV, and others. On the songwriting-producing side, he started the acclaimed electropop dark wave band No Carrier in 1995, and the electronica chill-out project Virtual Conformity in 2001, as well as several side projects. He's also co-writing and producing songs with other artists and songwriters, like Psyche, Liza Marie Sparks, Queen Chameleon, The Dust Ride, Echo Kill, and many others. His name is Chris Wiersig, and you can find more information about him at chriswiersig.com. That's chris, W-I-R-S-I-G.com. I wanted to sit down with him specifically because he's very knowledgeable about how music influences our experiences, both in film and when simply listening. Considering he also knows a lot about the business end of creating music, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. So sit back and enjoy. Well, thank you for coming to talk to me, uh, Chris. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you're doing okay over there. Now, you're in L.A., right? I'm in L.A., yeah. And thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Um, so how are you finding L.A. right now? Is everything okay? Are you uh, you're doing okay there? It's, it's so far it's okay. Um, we're yeah we we have a few more fires again, but oh. luckily not in our area. Mm. So uh, but so far, I mean, Southern California was pretty good this year, kind of with fires. North California was hit way harder. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're blessed. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, along with everything else, who needs more fires? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite something. Uh, yeah, so I I guess I, I wanted to sort of get into how you got interested in writing music in the first place, because I know that's what you do a lot of, and you work with films, and uh, you have your own music directory and all of that stuff. So how did you get involved in writing music in the first place? That kind of started when I was still little, uh, getting piano lessons, and I was often more interested in just playing around on it or finding weird melodies or not not probably not even real melodies <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and rather than than practicing etudes or 
stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> like Furelies, you know. I although that's that's one that I still love. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. But practicing, rather playing around and improvising. So um, and then when I got my first home computer in the late eighties, uh, that started. You already had a like four channels that you could use and had Ooh, samples. Four channels. Uh, so we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot back then. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on a, on a home computer. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. It, it was fun to, to write on that. I, I mm-hmm. love that. And and that kind of developed into that. I, I somehow had that, that urge that I wanted to write music. That's great. Yeah. So did you have formal training? Like you're you're talking about for Elise and I'm kind of like, oh, well, you must have <laughs> taken lessons then, right? <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah, I had piano lessons from around age six or so um, for, I don't know, nearly eight years or whatever. In between started saxophone because that was then more interesting all of a sudden. Okay. Having another instrument that's a bit more. I mean, I, I love piano and piano is my main instrument. So, mm-hmm. and everything I do is played on the piano here in the studio or on, on a keyboard into the computer. So that I'm, I'm glad I had that. Um, the saxophone was just a little more um, fun than at a time <laughs> playing melodies and in and, 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 uh, and the school big band and, and the saxophone quartet where we played actual uh, classical pieces. Mm-hmm. But with saxophones instead of, of violas and violins. Wow. Cellos, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> Opened fantastic. my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess you sort of start to see what's possible after that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And certainly it's a lot easier to carry around a saxophone than a piano. <laughs> it definitely is. And I still hate the, the big flight case with a, with a heavy keyboard in it that I have. So. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. But I guess you need as much protection as you can when you're flying with something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you have started, uh, or you are writing dark, edgy music for like horror films, right? That's kind of where That's you right. found your niche. How did yeah. that get started? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I always, when I started listening to pop and rock music in mm-hmm. the '80s, um, it, it's I, I was more drawn to the to the more melancholy, uh, not totally sad, but somehow romantically melancholy songs. And and then discovered the whole European, growing up in Germany, I discovered the... the European Gothic scene that mm-hmm. like uh, dark wave bands and, and bands like Sisters of Mercy are very Gothic or th- that style. And somehow, and still today, um, I can listen to happy and uplifting songs and I love that as well. But somehow um, darker songs, more melancholy songs touch me in a deeper way. And I have no better way of explaining it. I know that, <laughs> that might sound very weird to some people but it's I, I i can't explain it better it's just for me it's a little more a deeper experience i think if you're going to discuss deeper experiences as far as music is concerned this is the podcast to do that <laughs> right <laughs> you're in the right That's place right. yeah totally. <laughs> so do you think it's cathartic is that maybe part of the reason why you like them so much I, I guess it's that's part of it, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, it, it can bring out something in you when you listen to it or when you play it or, or write it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think 
at least for me and I guess for a lot of people who love to listen to dark music, it's also a little wallowing in that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Probably okay. there's there's a part, at least in me, there's a part. And and I just sit there and, and listen to it and think, Oh yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess in a way it can feel good because you're it, it letting it all yeah. out. It's it's yeah. like when you watch a, a, a drama movie or, or a very sad movie and it's and, and you cry with the movie, but then probably feel better afterwards mm -hmm. for whatever reason there, there can be so many reasons can be that you realize that your life is much better than what you've seen on screen or, <laughs> yes. or that that you didn't have challenges the the actors on screen had or whatever um, so yeah it can definitely help yeah and and along those lines I'm curious because I know you write a lot of music for um, for horror films so Do you like to be scared? Like, is is that a is that a part of the melancholy nature? <laughs> Maybe I'm I'm kind of a sissy that way. I don't like to <laughs> okay. be totally scared. Okay. Um, when I'm watching a movie that's or or, or going to a haunted house, you mm -hmm. you know what's coming. What I somehow hate is when uh, like my wife has a tendency to sneak into the room when I'm working here in the studio and so I don't see her in the back and all of a sudden there's someone standing beside me and that's a big jump scare for me oh yes <laughs> so in real life not so much but sure. I I um, discovered Stephen King novels when I was around 15 14 15 years old Uh, and it actually was the first book I read, and that I was transfixed with that. As I, I, I read it uh, in a few days, probably or so. Wow! <laughs> or or a week, uh, and that I, I somehow liked that. Yeah, it's, but it's it's definitely not necessarily fully in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But I guess I could see a, a young you deciding, oh, I might want to write music for an adaptation of this book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, very cool. What's the process that you go through when you're writing music for a film? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's a big, long consideration for how this is done. And I'm, I'm curious as to how much involvement the people who are creating the film have in this or do they just say here's the scene go for it uh, that's different from from film to film and from director or producer to another mm -hmm. director or producer um i mean for me i often so far i had the fortune especially with the short movies i did uh, to come in already when the uh, script was written and mm -hmm. i could read that sometimes while they were shooting or just after they were shooting and not even had a, a rough cut for it. So I at least could already read through it and, and think of certain sounds or instruments to use or, or w certain scenes where, where music should be, because that's an important thing in, in movies. It shouldn't overwhelm. Mm -hmm. When there's a lot of dialogue, the mu music has to be more quiet or more minimal, and it's it, it shouldn't be throughout. There, there are a lot of scenes where music would ruin more than help mm -hmm. the scene mm -hmm. so that's always helpful or then uh when when a, at least a rough cut is done and i get the rough cut and and can see from that or locked picture is even better because then you don't have to change too much anymore yeah. to, if, if a scene gets recut um but but still uh, all of this is for for me i, I like 
all of of these options. I like to come in earlier if it's a little later. There's and there's a, a locked picture, and you have the scenes as they intend them to be. Um, that's also inspirational. So it's it kind of makes it easy. I, for me, I always think it's it's simple when you have someone writing a scene or a movie and and all, already you know about the emotions about the atmosphere in the scene about the the actors what they want to do or can't do you know it's whatever their motivation is so the inspiration is there i don't have to think of of the basic inspiration or the theme for a music looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio branding strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Although you need to react to the emotion on the screen, right? That's right, yeah. So but, writing but to it, enhance that emotion or... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, to uh, Maybe to enhance it or to help it if it's if it's very subtle mm -hmm. then the music is is the part of, of a movie that that needs to convey it to the to the watcher but um often it's it's more just a little help just a little emphasis on on what's going on sure yeah that makes a lot of sense what was your favorite movie to work on so far anyway and and why? Because I'm I'm curious as to what makes it more enjoyable for you. Um, I enjoyed them all actually. I'm I'm lucky so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> With all them, um, what I really what was something special was the short movie Cat Dex. Mm -hmm. It's about a female soldier in Africa and hunting and killing poachers. Ah. So a bit Rambo Tarantino style. Sure. But as it said in Africa, uh, we said, well, there should be some African elements in the music, but of course it shouldn't be too on the nose because everyone sees it's in Africa. Everyone knows it. There are lions running yeah. around and elephants. So you don't need the full-blown African music. Mm -hmm. And it should still should be a bit like a typical score, but with electronic elements and African elements. So all that came together. And for me, that was a first working with, especially with, with African instruments and mm -hmm. a little chanting and singing, singing in the, in the main theme. So um, that was definitely a, a new experience, a little challenge. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely the, the most interesting score so far, I would say. Yeah, that does sound interesting. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Have you come across that a lot, that people are trying to evoke certain geographical locations with the music that you provide for them? Um, I personally haven't so far, no. So that's the um, that only one mainly, so far. mainly there and 
yeah, as I said, it, it, you could see it on screen that it's meant yeah. to be in Africa, although it was shot here in, in California. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they had a, a real lion in the scene, a, a lion wow. trainer here in LA yeah. that, with, with whom they worked. So And some footage from Africa, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's really fascinating. <laughs> so you also have um, a music directory, right? You put something like that together. Is that just for your music? Do you have other people's music in there? Um, it started with my music. That's mm -hmm. why we say we only have dark stuff. Uh, yeah. our niche. Sure. <laughs> Once yeah. again, the dark music. Sure. Um, and we now have around 20 composers who, some more, some less, write for us. It's mainly for, for TV usage at the moment, mm -hmm. like reality shows. One of the, the shows that used a lot from our um, library so far was uh, The Challenge on MTV. Mm -hmm. It's a game show sure extreme sports thing yeah <laughs> i wouldn't dare participate but it's nice <laughs> to write music for that yeah um, <laughs> so yeah and and that's slowly growing great what's the name of that just so that people know what to look for it's called counter communications okay and so it's that's... also distributed through spirit mu uh, production music worldwide so yeah great yeah you also mentioned when we were speaking last the differences between um, uh, minor versus major chords, I guess, in the popular, you know, type of music that you're writing and that you're hearing and all of that. And I'm, I, I guess I'm curious as to if you start from a particular position when you're writing a song, does it, I, I would, I would suppose that minor chords would evoke more darker and more scary type music than major but do you ever use major chords in in your <laughs> like does that ever I, come I into play you do okay <laughs> no i mean, I do. I mean it, like uh, yeah that's the uh, if I, I did one song, actually a cover version of, of Bad Moon Rising, the okay. old Creedence Clearwater Revival hit, sure. uh, in a very dark electronic style, very mm -hmm. brooding, much slower. And usually you transpose a song that's in, in a major key into a minor key, mm -hmm. but you still have major and minor chords in there. What I did, I tried to I just took all the major keys in the original song and made them into a minor key. Ah. That usually ends in a cacophony <laughs> because only minor keys in a song uh, altogether would, would usually sound weird with that song. It worked oh, okay. and made it into a very weirdly brooding song. So sometimes okay. it, it, it definitely can work, but <laughs> yeah, you, you got to have some some major keys in there. Also, so you need balance. You, you need the balance yeah. and... Um, a major key in itself can, or uh, not a major key, a major chord can be, given the context, very sad or very mm -hmm. uh, menacing or tense anyway as well. So, Yeah, yeah. there's a lot that goes into the composition of music, <laughs> bit yeah. by bit, yeah. Uh, especially when you're doing electronic music too, I would imagine, because there's a lot that goes into that that... Um, I guess natural instruments you wouldn't have to think about maybe that can be it's it's more there's a, a lot more sound design usually going on yeah. when, when you're working with electronic instruments um, because a, a piano is a piano and it can be 
played very differently mm-hmm. and, and still can convey different emotions and have a different sound like if it's a prepared piano or what the uh, how they how it's played what pedals you're using if it's mm-hmm. a real piano yeah um but with with synthesizers you can you can either go from scratch or from a from a nice preset you have and and go from there and make it into your own sound and i always like that and that it's it's a a sound not found in nature mm-hmm. maybe yeah that's that's an interesting way to put it yeah This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available on all the usual outlets. Until next time.